This is Tanakhcast. Welcome back to Tanakhcast. This is episode 32, the Book of Numbers, chapters 1 through 3. Numbers. Numbers. A lot of talk about numbers. Chapter 1 is preoccupied with the number of leaders and the number of men who will fight, or in the case of Levi, the number of those who will not fight, but service the dwelling instead. Chapter 2 recounts the formation around the Tent of Appointment, which tribe is supposed to encamp in which direction, quote, by their contingents, thus they marched each man by his clans alongside his father's house, end quote. Chapter 3 describes the genealogy and the special status of the tribe of Levi, as well as the count of the firstborn, and the redemption price of the firstborn, quote, five shekels per capita, by the holy shrine shekel you are to take, 20 grains to the shekel, end quote. And give it to the Kohanim, quote, by order of Adonai, as Adonai had commanded Moshe. So, awfully quick summary, but surprisingly, there is a lot to talk about in this week's portion. Let's get to it. <laughs> After all that heady talk about incest and impurity and skin conditions and animal flanks, we now suddenly find ourselves dealing with numbers, and a specific kind of number, the number of Jews. We're dealing with Jew counting. And truth be told, the, this instance of Jew counting is probably the most benign and, and least problematic instance in the history of the Jewish people. Because later, when uh, King David tries it in 2 Samuel, the result is 70,000 deaths from a plague. We'll talk more about that in a much later Tanakhcast. The three instances I want to talk about uh, are notorious in different ways. The first and, and most obvious was Adolf Eichmann's count of Europe's Jews uh, for the Wannsee Conference. The Wannsee Conference was a meeting of senior Nazi officials in the Berlin suburb of Wannsee on the 20th of January 1942. The purpose? To get administrative leaders of various government departments on side for the final solution. Those in attendance heard briefings from Reinhard Heydrich about how most of the Jews of German-occupied Europe would be deported to Poland and murdered. The German bureaucracy had already been mobilized against Germany's Jews from the moment the Nazis had seized power in January of 1933, and they created an environment of fear and intimidation in order to encourage Germany's Jews to leave. But after the Wehrmacht invaded Poland in September of 1939, the final solution entered a more aggressive phase, with Nazi squads actively killing Jews in occupied lands. And this accelerated even more after the invasion of the Soviet Union in June of 1941. And so within eight weeks, uh, Reich Marshal Hermann Goering authorized Heydrich to prepare and submit a plan for, quote, a total solution of the Jewish question in territories under German control and, and to coordinate the participation of all the involved government organizations. And so at the Wannsee Conference, Heydrich discussed the mechanics of deportation, which would involve coordinating other government agencies. He also had a second goal, to coherently define who was Jewish, which would also determine the scope of the extermination. And so in preparation for the conference, Heydrich appointed Adolf Eichmann 
to manage the logistics of mass deportation of the Jews to ghettos and extermination camps in German-occupied Eastern Europe. And as part of this task, Eichmann compiled a list uh, counting the number of Jews in various European countries. And the countries were listed in two groups. There's the A group and the B group. A countries were those under direct Reich control or occupation, and B countries were allied or client states, neutral states, or states that were at war with Germany. And I have a link to that document. You can have a look for yourself at thenextjew.com and at the Facebook page. By Eichmann's count, the Nazis would need to manage the murder of 11 million Jews to finally solve the Jewish question. And by the end of World War II, the Nazis murdered about six. And I say about six because despite the reams of scholarly research about the Shoah, there really isn't a definitive number. Who began to use the number six million to count the Jews to represent the Jewish victims of Nazism is also a subject of much debate. Some have argued that uh, Dr. Wilhelm Hodel, an Austrian-born official in the Third Reich, and a trained historian who'd served in a number of senior positions in the SS. He, he first used this number in his testimony for the prosecution in the 1945 Nuremberg trials. He would use them again in the 1961 trial in Israel of Adolf Eichmann. In both testimonies, he described a conversation he had had with Eichmann and how Eichmann told him that, quote, according to his information, some six million Jews had been perished until then, four million in extermination camps and the remaining two million through shooting by the operations units and on other causes, end quote. This number, um, I guess you could say, had legs, or, or didn't. Raoul Hilberg, in his 1961 edition of The Destruction of the European Jews, refers to 5.1 million Jewish dead. Uh, Lucy Davidovich, in her 1975 the war against the Jews, used pre-war birth and death records and came up with 5,933,900, which gets rounded up to six. Uh, historian and demographer Jacob Lachinsky's number is 5.95 million, and for Yisrael Gutman and Robert Rosette, editors and authors of the Encyclopedia of the Holocaust, their number ranges between 5.59 to 5.86 million. German historian Wolfgang Benz's number is between 5.29 and 6.2 million. British historian Martin Gilbert, his number is 5.75 million. And behind each number is, it's, it's, is a methodology, but each doesn't have that resonance, that ring of, of 6 million, which has become the ultimate number. Another number came out of the Nixon White House. Thanks to the Miller Center at the University of Virginia Presidential Recordings Program, regular folks like you and me can listen to recordings from U.S. presidents, uh, Roosevelt, Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon. You can go have a listen at uh, whitehousetapes.net. Richard Nixon recorded approximately 3,700 hours of meetings and conversations that he had in the Oval Office and in his office at the old Executive Office Building, in the cabinet room and in the Aspen Lodge at the presidential retreat at Camp David in Maryland. These recordings were made in secret and they use sound activated microphones. So like someone would start talking and then it'd start recording and then the conversation would end and it would stop. And these recordings begin in, in February of 1971 and they end in July, 1973. About 2,300 hours have been released so far, actually 2,371 to be precise. 
And of the many topics that Nixon discusses on tape, one of them was the release by the New York Times and Washington Post of what has since been called the Pentagon Papers. Daniel Ellsberg was a former uh, U.S. military analyst who, while employed at the RAND Corporation, came across a series of documents called, appropriately, United States-Vietnam Relations 1945-1967, to a study prepared by the Department of Defense. Ellsberg uh, leaked these documents to the media. And among many of the revelations within, the papers revealed that uh, the U.S. had secretly expanded the scope of the Vietnam War and was bombing Cambodia and Laos. This had not been known or reported by the mainstream media at the time. Suffice to say, these revelations were an embarrassment to Richard Nixon, and, and he later ordered his White House plumbers to try to discredit Ellsberg. Um, but while these damning revelations unfolded, Nixon kind of got another idea in his head, one of similarly vexing concern. How many Jews were employed at the Bureau of Labor Statistics? The full story of Nixon's uh, Jew count was uh, elegantly recounted in a 2007 piece by Timothy Noah over at Slate, and I'll link to that piece at the nextjew.com and at the Facebook page, although you should be aware that many of the links in the piece are broken. But it seems that uh, in July of 1971, according to Noah and his research, Nixon read in the Washington Star that the Bureau of Labor Statistics was going to downplay a drop in the unemployment rate from 6.2% to 5.6, which is a big deal for a president. The uh, BLS were going to call it a statistical quirk. And this pissed off Nixon. And he had already had a run-in with Harold Goldstein, the assistant commissioner of labor statistics, and he wanted to fire him uh, for months because Goldstein had called a January unemployment drop of two-tenths of a percent, quote, marginally significant. So Nixon decides he wants a Jew count done at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and he asks White House Chief of Staff H.R. Haldeman to find out how many Jews there are over there. Haldeman turns to White House Personnel Director Fred Malik, and the following day, Malik fires off a memo to Haldeman. Of the 50 names on the organization chart, Malik figures out the party affiliations about 35 of them. 25 are Democrats, one is a Republican, and nine are either Independents not registered or of unknown party affiliation. In addition, Malik writes, quote, 13 out of the 35 fit the other demographic criterion that was discussed. Hmm. A bar mitzvah's worth of Jews at the BLS. What a scandal. Stop, but it's going to be loaded again. 
I'll put up a link to the uh, full transcript at thenextjew.com and at the Facebook page as well. So within six weeks, in another memo, Malik confirms the planned transfer of three Jews to less visible jobs and the effective demotion of a BLS deputy with a Jewish-sounding name. Here's the thing. Malik remains active in Republican politics. He's played a role in every Republican nominee for president over the past four decades. He was the national finance co-chair of John McCain's failed presidential campaign in 2008, and since he's given a lot of money to Jewish and pro-Israel causes, and I guess since Abe Foxman, the national director of the ADL, and Malcolm Heinlein, the vice chair of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, they've forgiven Malik for his mistake. I guess maybe, well, we should too. Don't you think? After all that we've been through, I will make it up to you. So we've heard about six, and we've heard about 13. Now to the last number, 6.9. In the late 1980s, uh, National Jewish Federation leaders recognized there was a need for accurate survey data on American Jews. And they concluded that it would help them, you know, prioritize and policy make and blah, 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 by sponsoring the National Jewish Population Survey, or NJPS, in 1990. And so every 10 years... Up until 2010, the NJPS came out, and inevitably some dire statistical nugget would prompt rabbis and community professionals to reach for their smelling salts. Uh, the, the, the first one, I guess, was in 1990 when the, the survey revealed that 52% of American Jews were marrying out. But rather than typically, as soon as the survey came out, the arguments began between demographers and academics about the validity of the data. And... These arguments kind of schlepped on for years and years. So when the NJPS came out in 2000, 2001, the knives had already been really sharpened. And when data from the NJPS of 2000, 2001 was lost and the results were delayed and, and, and comparisons with the 1990 study were thus impossible and there was a methodology quirk that was inconsistent with the earlier survey and the fact that it cost $6 million, well, the folks at Federation decided in 2011 that they were, weren't going to fund the decennial count anymore. Enter the Pew Research Center. Pew's website describes the center as a nonpartisan fact tank that informs the public about the issues, attitudes, and trends shaping America and the world. It conducts public opinion polling, demographic research media content analysis and other empirical social science research. Pew Research does not take policy positions. So, innocently, I guess, the Pew Center released a study in 2013 entitled, quote, A Portrait of Jewish Americans. I'll put a link up to the full report at thenextjew.com and also at the Facebook page. And boy, oh boy, the Hebrew space or the Juternet or whatever you want to call it, well... too much into the data whether Jewish America is on the brink of a massive generational shift in identity and practice, which it is, by the way, and as I argued in my book, End of the Jews, available electronically everywhere. 
But what I want to focus on in this is the sidebar to the study, a question that kind of needed to be answered as a precursor to the study itself. Who is a Jew? Because if you don't know what a Jew is, you can't count them. And then, after presenting an answer that would cross a rabbi's eyes... Also did something rather novel. That they presented a Jewish population calculator. So you on your own can come up with a number all by yourself. So have at it. You can add criteria or remove them. Adult Jew by religion or adult Jew of no religion. Two Jewish parents or one. Jewish affinity. Natal household upbringing. Watch the number change. Uh, as you could tell from the title of this episode, my number was 6.9. What's yours? Feel free to tweet it to me at dmendelsonaviv or leave it in the comments section at thenextjew.com or on the Facebook page. Perhaps deploying the wisdom of crowds, we can arrive at the number and settle the argument once and for all. As always, you can leave a further comment or question or comment at the Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash tanakhcast, T-A-N-A-K-H-C-A-S-T. Or at thenextjew.com, or leave a comment, question, or comment at the iTunes store, or at Stitcher Smart Radio, or SoundCloud. And while you're at it, why not leave a review? That way, other folks who are looking for a little Tanakh learning might discover this humble podcast and join in the fun. You're invited to come back and join us next week-ish for episode 33 of the Book of Numbers, chapters 4 through 7. Y'all come back now. Here. Yeah.